0: After a summer of extensive planning for a remote semester, the college's faculty are adjusting to the reality of teaching classes from their homes. With new technology and changes to classroom management, professors reflect on how the first few weeks of the semester have been anything but typical. I was able to talk to a few sem- professors from the college about their insights into the semester. Here are excerpts from my interviews with them. Dr. Steve O'Brien, the interim dean and professor at the School of Engineering, and I were able to discuss the learning a- angles and challenges for engineering students. <laughs> what is um What was the planning process for um, professors and preparing the department?
1: Yeah, it was. You know, a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the work as a dean levels was really to make sure that about safety. So, you know, with COVID. 19, we we're just really concerned about safety, and that's why we're, we made the decision to go to remote to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, many of the, the meetings we had and discussions and decisions to make were related to safety. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we, you know, but, a lot of it was not run by me, but other people's well, but we could coordinate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, students are on campus, how are they going to move around? Which ways will they move? Do they take certain elevators up or down or stairways? Those, you know, all this stuff had to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the courses, I think going half of the spring semester online remote helped us get a taste of what we needed to do for the fall, because remember, the plan for fall was to go flex-slash-hybrid, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of preparation we were doing for that helped us to really eventually go fully remote. If you remember, the flex would be part online and part in-person, which is really basically a lot online because if you had students in front of you in person, you have your first students or a third or or two thirds were still going to be off remote. So all the professors had to figure out how they would do that. So in some ways it's it was easier because they were planning to do that anyway. In some ways it was easier because now you don't have to manage you know one third of your students being in person and two thirds being remote. Does that make sense? That so that whole rotation type of thing doesn't have to happen now. But the downside, you don't have any in-person instruction. And I, you know, personally, I believe this, and I think many faculty do as well. That you know, humans being humans, we want to interact and be in person. There's subtle, or is it just a human? There's subtle things that I'll see in your face or an audience's face, or just an eyebrow will go up or the twitch of a nose. You're like, oh, geez, I'm. I'm I'm singing too loud, or Mm -hmm. they don't understand this point I'm trying to make in a course. And that, unfortunately, is going to be really hard to do in a remote situation. Mm -hmm. I believe, due to safety, we have to move forward, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, all the students will get get their courses, they'll learn things and they'll move forward and have their careers or or whatever they wish to do. Mm -hmm. But I think we're pretty prepared. I think on the bright side, if I think of an opportunity, you didn't ask this question yet, but I've been thinking about this a lot. And as interim dean, I'm looking for things that can be positive long-term changes. I think faculty and students are looking for lots of different ways about, uh, about how to teach and learn. Faculty are doing a lot of things that are new to them. When they're in this remote environment, they have to think of ways of how to teach differently. And so I think there's things they're doing that are Technically very different, you know, using different kinds of software packages they've never used, many of which they can integrate into Canvas, which is really neat. And some are flipping their classrooms, which is kind of cool. And some are bringing a lot of problem and project-based learning and, and doing that in related to flipping a classroom.
0: After planning in the in the summer, how is has the student response been? Have uh, engineer, especially yeah. engineering, have they... Like has it worked, like all the technology tested in the summer?
1: (laughs) I think it's too early to tell, right? Mm -hmm. The real answer is it's too early to tell. But there are some students, so I'm pretty direct and pretty honest about these things. There's a whole gamut, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of feedback from the freshmen that are doing their freshman, they have a freshman engineering course that they do, but a lot of the other courses in engineering their freshman year are, you know, the math and science kind of courses, right? And they're really excited. So they're just really excited about their courses and giving a lot of feedback to the professor that's teaching that intro to engineering course because he wants to get feedback on how they're doing not just that course, but how's everything going. Mm -hmm. And a lot of really, really pleasant positiveness is is there, which is really neat to see. But on the other hand, we talk to students that are going to defer and are making decisions even just yesterday and today that they're going to defer by a semester or maybe a full year. And some of the reasons are financial and whatnot, but some of the reasons that they just they, remote teaching is just not working for them. They really can't. They really can't get into it. I think partly because of that human factor that's not there, right? And you can't see a person next to you, and interact with them, or the relationships get established. You've probably been in the situation I was when I was your age. You see someone in waiting in line for lunch, and there's two or three behind ahead of you, and you go, "Oh, I recognize you. Aren't you Martha?" From my calculus class, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, how was that quiz? Wasn't that brutal? And then before you know it, you know you're going to movies together or going to soccer games and stuff like that. And that part is missing. And some students just just have a really hard time being fully remote, and so they're going to prefer. And that's sad, but it's more important that they recognize that and not continue just to be frustrated, right? Um, so yeah, so I can see what's it's the gamut. Something's going really well, and some is not so well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So. how has um, the engineering department directly been affected? Like, because a lot of are the classes being able to be easily remote, or is it are are people really missing out on the hands-on experience?
1: Yeah, when you think of engineering, that's what you think of. Right, you do a lot of hands-on work, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think. That fits into the same answer I gave before. There's a lot of neat ways that professors are teaching these things and students are learning, but you know, a fraction, you know, fraction of the courses that really, really need hands-on experience, I, I don't think it can be the same. I, I think it can't. It can't be as good. A really important human concept. Um, I think young kids, middle-aged kids, and like 20, 30-year-old young adults are in the same way. In engineering, you really need to play and work with three-dimensional and two-dimensional objects to really be able to understand them, and maybe even understand the math and science and engineering concepts that go along with them. Mm-hmm. And it's you're much more limited if you can't touch and feel these two D and three D spatial objects. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to play a bassoon, you know, unless you have a bassoon, right? Yeah. Um, this three-dimensional object is 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 it is its shape for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't feel that reason for the shape and the sound, it's going to be really hard to know your instrument. So, yeah, so it's going to have some downfalls as well. Faculty we are doing some things to counteract that. But some courses are way more difficult. Um, I would mention a non-engineering course like chemistry. You know, how, how are you going to do chemistry? <laughs> you know, w- without without a chemistry lab in front of you, you can do things that supplement it more so for introductory chemistry kinds of courses, but intermediate and higher level chemistry that you might take as a chemistry major or as a
0: So many students have also um, been surprised this semester that there's no pass fail option, um, like there was for the spring. What was the thought process in this decision? Or how do you- Well, that's
1: above above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's not, it really wasn't my decision, it was Mm -hmm. people above my level, but I think, um, I think I, I, my own thoughts on that would be I think it was good that we went to an all-graded option because in the spring, remember, we were just sort of everyone in the world was sort of caught by surprise. Okay, well, we're, we're going to close down and we're going to go remote. We have no choice. And it was a surprise, right? It was kind of like in your face. And so I was like, yeah, let's, let's give some people some relaxation here in terms of anxiety by letting them do some courses um, non-graded, which just do pass-fail. You know, but now we're we've had time to prepare for this, which was your very first question. So now it's time to engage seriously, right? So we want to make sure we're all serious. The faculty are serious about making changes to how they're teaching, and the students need to be serious about their learning. And so the only way to really ensure that is to enforce a grade um, boundaries experience. And I think that's probably the I think that's probably the right decision. I think, for example. There were quite a few students that took pass-fail and now are worse off because they didn't take the teaching and learning seriously. You know, you you can learn facts and whatnot, but you really take the teaching and learning process seriously.
0: Dr. James Byers, Chair and Professor of the Early Childhood Education at the School of Education at TCNJ, especially enjoyed discussing approaching learning for future educators in the classroom.
2: But What I was saying is I've been very impressed with um, the flexibility and the resilience of both faculty and students in trying to learn under these um, uh, atypical circumstances. Um, and so beginning back in the, the spring semester in March or so when when it uh, began, everyone was scrambling and we're all worked uh, overworked, I would say. And, and you had the stress of ha- having this pandemic and you have the stress of... Uh, being uh, thrust into a situation that none of us are used to experiencing. And then we're experiencing all of these other um, unfortunate circumstances on campus with respect to uh, race and and complications with all of that. Even with all of those circumstances, it's been very impressive to see the community come together to teach each other how to adjust to these new circumstances. Um, So from the top down, When we got the new provost uh, through changes with some of the deans, um, and then into, that I don't know if you're familiar with it, in in the middle of the summer, that's when new department chairs come into their roles. Um, I have served in this role for, I'm in my seventh year now, so it wasn't new for me. But in seeing other academic leaders on campus who are transitioning into new roles and transitioning out of old roles, it's just, it was... It was amazing to see everyone come together through the Office of Instructional Design, having all of these workshops set up. So above the typical workload for both students and faculty, everyone was engaging in all of these new things to be equipped to the best of our ability to offer the same high quality experience that TCNJ students, faculty, and staff are used to having. Since you
0: teach, education students and like, I believe math education. Um, yes. Uh, how has that been? At, do you feel as though it's almost been a kind of like a role model and like showing them how they can introduce education in different ways?
2: So it's actually interesting that you bring that up because mm-hmm. uh, going back to the spring, um, when this first started, I was supervising student teachers also, and they are transitioning to online teaching. And we had variable experiences with the success of their transitioning from face-to-face teaching to online teaching. I took that to heart when I taught my first summer class online. So I normally teach Math 105 structures and Algorithms 1 for educators. Um, And I've been teaching it for years, but it's the first time I taught it online. And we all learned a little bit about the challenges of teaching online. And so I then brought what I learned in terms of practicing with the technology, in terms of doing icebreakers, just like anybody else would do if you were in person, greeting your students when they come into the room. So they're coming into a virtual room so you can still greet them and say hello to people and still have conversations with them. And these are all things that everyone was concerned about. How would you make connections with your uh, preschool to sixth grade uh students in the classroom. And I said, although it's going to be novel, it's very similar in so far as you're just going to be interacting with them through uh, Zoom or through Google Classrooms or something like that. So I took a lot of what I learned as a supervisor and as the department chair and as a teacher. And I've been sharing that with the supervisors and student teachers as we have met um, in a couple of you know, we had some large meetings and some smaller meetings, and it informed some of the process documents that my department has written. All of us have done this, we've contributed to the resources. We have toolkits, virtual toolkits, virtual procedure guidelines for how to um, make the best of your experience. And again, I can't take any individual credit for it by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I've been. I guess, helpful to various offices and various um, people on campus as we're all meeting and exchanging ideas. And so we've been collective in in trying to make sure that our student teachers will have, regardless of whether or not they're permitted to teach face-to-face or teach in a virtual environment, we're still making sure that they have uh, the best possible experience under the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. How are you handling uh, your classes? How are they going? Yeah, they...
0: I think for the most part, they're going pretty well. I mean, definitely yeah. across the board, professors are really um, working on different strategies to reach students right. and like to adapt their lessons. Um, I think sometimes it's... It can be. It's definitely easy to get distracted in classes, and like you, you start to wander. Mm. You, like if, especially if it's during right. a lecture. But um, I think a lot of uh, yeah. professors have been using breakout rooms, and I think this is a nice way of connecting with yeah. peers and to say, oh, okay, I'm not just kind of alone in this void. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, think-
2: and, yeah, and breaking up the monotony a little mm-hmm. bit, and that's one of the things that I thought was interesting too. Uh, as educators and teacher educators, we have a great deal of experience in knowing what best practices are for teaching. And a lot of those best practices still translate to the nicely to the virtual environment, but not all of them do. Mm-hmm. So we do have to find alternative ways and it's been very refreshing to see how my faculty uh, in the department um, and in the entire school mm-hmm. have been finding new and novel ways to make the experience not as jarring for their students. So using breakout rooms, using external websites, using video resources, creating their own Kaltura videos and other things like that. Mm -hmm. um, It's just, it's been really impressive to see people adjust to the circumstances and to uh, adjust so nicely. Mm -hmm. Although it hasn't been all peaches and cream, so to speak. (laughs) There have been some hiccups, just like what you're experiencing now where my video is I But I I set up the expectation learning from the summer. I said to my students, there may be the case. I've been teaching from on campus in one of the virtual classrooms um, or the flex classrooms. So it doesn't happen when I go to campus. But occasionally I do have meetings with large groups of people and my internet gets glitchy. But I I explained to them, just like you might establish in a classroom in your K6 setting, here are the the rules of order, so to speak, or here are the classroom norms, here are the expectations. I've had to do the same thing with this, but I've added expectations and norms associated with Absolutely. virtual Also, to talk about and practice, how do you raise your hand? I mean, obviously <laughs> it's very uh, straightforward in your, when you're in a classroom uh, with 20 people in front of you, who has a question? You look at body language, you look at facial expressions, you look at all of that sort of thing. But when you're teaching in a virtual setting, If someone doesn't share their camera, you can't necessarily uh, attend to the same kinds of detail, but if people are comfortable sharing their cameras and sharing their audio, it's perfectly fine. But when five people have a question at the same time and you're not aware of your neighbor who has a question, you might have four or five people start talking at the same time. So we developed protocols for how to initiate turns. You know, start with the hand raise, start with the thumb raise, start with a chat, Um, Or something like that and then if that does not get the attention you need just call out It's okay. So we've gone back to you don't have to literally raise your hand in class anymore You can just speak freely and call out at you know, and if it's interrupting uh, If two people are trying to talk at the same time, we'll sort it out Um, And I've noticed now in my uh, I guess this is my third week of teaching the class the classes that I have this semester They're all much more comfortable in uh, enacting the norms that we discussed in week one. Mm. So I, I've noticed it takes about a week or two for us to have become adjusted so that things flow very nicely. There have been little-
0: So with the um, students preparing to become teachers, do you think that they're entering a new kind of workforce and they'll be better prepared to be like maybe more teachers that like what with like different background and knowing how to deliver the information? Like they're still getting. So, there's an
2: interesting, we've been having this kind of conversation in the department for uh, almost a year in thinking about how there are some classrooms which offer a bit of supplemental information online. They were doing this before COVID. Some districts do this. And so, and some districts are always interested in hiring students who have extra competencies with technology. Mm -hmm. So, when this started to hit the uh, hit the scene back in the spring, we started wondering should we be reimagining teacher preparation a little bit to include more preparation for virtual instruction? And we said internally, yes, we do think that this is important. And so we've been trying to be mindful in our capstone classes and in our two uh, senior experiences. So we have clinical internship one and clinical internship two, or clinical practice one and clinical practice two this is the senior student teaching or the full year student teaching all of our students do. We have been um, being more mindful in that first semester class of trying to help them prepare for the likely eventuality that they could be teaching virtually in the spring. And so in moving forward, districts will be now 100% mindful of the possibility that this could linger for multiple semesters. And so it might be the case that they're in for a few months and then they have to come back out. Children are in and then have to come back out because we don't know when this virus will be under control enough for us to not be too concerned about it. Mm-hmm. So we have to be preparing students for anything uh, that could be happening academically like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, homeschooling is becoming very uh, much more prominent now. We have uh, lots of requests for people who are um, interested in um, helping out uh, with home instruction. Um, due to liability reasons, we can't offer those positions to our students. We're not allowed to, but we can put them in touch with services that can. But then we are being mindful in our preparation of those teachers how to be more helpful and how to find more resources online so that your online instruction can be more effective. Mm-hmm. And so three colleagues, I, I'm not certain of all their names, But I did see an announcement like this is another thing that we're trying to do too. So it's not just teacher preparation for the candidates themselves. We're offering some workshops for parents so that parents who are going to be uh, teaching kids at home, there's some, it's going to be some pretty entry level, straightforward things. But knowing that the responsibility of teaching our, our children is falling on more hands than just the teachers and just our student teachers. We don't want the community to be left high and dry without some preparation. So there are some introductory level professional development uh, workshops that are being offered by the the School of Education to parents and the families and community members to help them with some homeschooling. So we know that the nature and the face of education and teacher preparation is changing but we're not, uh, we're not going to abandon our typical ways of teacher preparation, but we are definitely expanding to accommodate for these new, these new expectations and these new situations. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we're, we're doing a decent job. Mm-hmm. But in order for you to get to the point where you're the face on the screen, there is so much time and dedication on the part of the faculty, the staff and the administration and the students to get to the point where you can have this experience. And so I know it's not anywhere near what we expected, um, but I don't think that the integrity of the education has been compromised in any way, shape or form.
0: And from the tech challenges to embracing all faculty and staff, Dr. Joe Goebel, chair and professor of world languages and cultures and professor of Spanish, and I discussed how we can best promote learning during this time. Cool. So, yeah, just in general, um, what was it like in the summer planning um, the curriculum with the department?
3: Um, th- I would say that, you know, in general, when the when the summer takes place, most faculty, almost all faculty, are off doing their own research. They're traveling. Um, they, they really are off campus, off the clock. Um, and, and many of us, in fact, take a 10 month paycheck. So we're actually only paid 10 months of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, That was nothing like this summer. I was so impressed with the people I work with both within my department and from outside because we weren't physical on campus, of course, but we were all really working to try and figure out how to do a better job than we did in the spring. And frankly, because I talk to a lot of, I do a lot of interviews with the freshmen coming in Mm -hmm. because I have to judge their language level. So I did hundreds of interviews, over 125, just in May, June, July. Mm-hmm. And um, what I found was that had basically in March on March 13th, 13th, and said, "Here's your assignment. I have office hours on Wednesdays for an hour, and turn in on what Friday." And they were told in their high schools, "Good luck." Mm-hmm. In many of the high schools, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and the community colleges, because I talked to transfer students, they were basically told, "Good luck." You're teaching yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you as a professional do that. I will say that when that happened in, in my department, and I think wasn't just my department, we knew going in that you're going to be gone. We, we were going to be off for two weeks out of school. Um, so what we did in our department is we immediately called IT and said, we need a workshop real fast. And so we found out on Monday, on Wednesday, there was a workshop, large number of participants. And these are faculty. These are tenured track line. These are adjuncts. These are part timers. Um, gave us kind of an overview of a couple of things we could do. And then we found out during your spring break that we were not coming back at all. And we had three Zoom meetings over spring break with the faculty just trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I was very impressed at the time with my own department and, and colleagues I was talking to as a chair with other departments that they spent their spring break trying to, trying to figure out this new, new world. Mm-hmm. And while I'm sure there were teachers that did the, the uh, you know, just teach yourself um, there were large numbers of people who really took the uh, 10 days of spring break. That's all I did was work on zoom and chair. So I was glad that we got as far as we did in the spring but both the administration and the faculty decided that they had to be better in the fall. Mm-hmm. Any, you can ask me. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, I am a better teacher in the classroom, bottom line. Um, I use lots of videos in the classroom. I use lots of technology in the classroom. But I'm a better teacher face-to-face. That's how you teach. Certainly in a language class, can you imagine having masks and being six feet away and only having eight people in the room and then another eight people online trying to it, – it, it, it's very difficult the the to give you an idea, there was a survey early in the summer about saying that the fact the administration sent out saying, all things equal, would you prefer to go back in the classroom? It was overwhelming. But for safety reasons, we really had to look at flex and remote. And then for safety reasons, again, Flex was off the table, at least this mm-hmm. semester. The other group that that the students often don't get and the teachers sometimes maybe inappropriate, maybe don't get or, or take for granted is the staff. And the staff not only got on just like the teachers did and the students did, administrators did, got on the new technology, but the staff had some other things too. The staff was laid off with no pay for 10 days in July. Now, it was done because they thought we could run the university those days, and it was done because they got federal support for unemployment. So there were there were there were good reasons to do it mm-hmm. but the recovering from a 10-day layoff in July when they're not doing nothing when they are in fact doing a great deal mm-hmm. um, was impressive uh, the administrators were taking furloughs too um, the professors are taking uh, 12 days five in in January 5 in March and these are all unpaid um, in order to support the the fiscal stability of the university mm-hmm. um, but it I thought of the staff and how much time I spent and how many things that my program assistant had to do. And also during a time when I needed her and she was furloughed and people in records and registration were furloughed and people Mm -hmm. in the present, I mean, it was, it was a hard time for everybody. Mm -hmm. And once again, what did they do? They stepped up and and did the work and now are working much longer hours in August. They did to catch up to what they did in July. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I know I have colleagues in other places um, I, uh, I'm in touch with other professors. I'm in touch with K-12 teachers because I, for years and years, I was the student teaching supervisor for Spanish, uh, the secondary ed majors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have ex um, students in classes mm-hmm. or teachers and, um, really stepped up. Uh, I'm hoping we have another, we have until September 15th, the students can, refund 100% of their money by September 15th. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a wise decision because the students who were coming in as transfer students, the students who were coming in as remote mm-hmm. students, I'm sorry, as uh, incoming first-year students, mm-hmm. many of them came with the idea as may as well take a gap year or pay less for a community college because they're just going to give me assignments I'm going to teach myself. Mm-hmm. And the great genius of doing it this way, the advertising or the marketing was, give us a chance to prove that we're going to teach. Mm-hmm. We have um, we, mostly synchronous classes, mm-hmm. but to do an asynchronous class, an asynchronous class isn't, here's your assignment, good luck. These t- professors who teach asynchronous classes have had to do long-term workshops so that it is a very engaging, interactive learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not done that in languages. I think I think you need to, I think it's a different requirement. But we have professors who teach in our department, who teach culture, literature and things, who do do asynchronous teaching but that was not something they were just did during spring break they we were not allowed to do it that way we had to have at least some components of synchronous teaching because asynchronous teaching requires a great deal of time and preparation mm-hmm. um we certainly we certainly in this semester have parts that are that are in other fields that are asynchronous you could watch a bio lecture and then do something afterwards um but it's uh I'm. um, I tend to be optimistic, but I also tend to be a realist. And when I became chair, I really became a realist. And and yet I'm. I'm very happy. I think I think the students are getting what they're paying for. As as much as as closely as possible as the face to face experience in the classroom, in the music um, hall, in the bio labs. I think, as I said, we all want to be back on campus. And when it's safe, you won't find teachers saying, Well, I don't I want to be remote. We we want to be in the classroom just as much as the students wanna be in the classroom. But I think we're 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 making every effort that, that the students get their educational value for what they're paying for and that and that we provide that we're professionals and we give you what, what you're paying for. Mm-hmm.
0: Since uh, a lot of the plans now have been put into action for a few weeks, have there been any um, surprises about how it's carried through, or has it all been, for the most part, successful how oh, and how... Oh, I'd love to tell you it was
3: all successful, but <laughs> it, it's, 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 the technology is always a trick. Um, yeah. Convocation, Zoom went down. The, the day, Monday is convocation. Remember you come and you, you remember doing that, mm-hmm. the president yeah. gives a speech and we all line up and you walk through the line? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the convocation. Um, some point early Monday morning, Zoom crashed across the country and maybe across the world for all I know. And so I'm a chair. I couldn't get in. I eventually found out because people are texting and picking up the phone that you couldn't get in via computer, but you might get in via phone. So that, that came out about an hour in. People are sending it. I'll oh, try the phone, try the phone. Um, I still couldn't get in. I had to get on the re- on the regular phone mm-hmm. call the program assistant who had gotten in and shift all my work to her. So she could run the, the show, the uh, meeting for the incoming freshmen and transfers, because that was at ten thirty, And I couldn't do that from my little phone, uh, 10 28. Um, voila, I got on. And so she ran the PowerPoint and I did the meeting. So that's a really nice example of the convocation day was a, you know, crash. Every teacher has had, um, Zoom conferences crash. Uh, technology doesn't work. Um, uh, right now, we're struggling. There's this, there's this um, computer program we can use on Canvas that, that uh, allow, it locks down the browser so the students are taking a test and they can't go off to other browsers. And it, for a while, it seemed to be working, but now there seems to be some question. It doesn't seem to work with Chromebooks.
2: Hmm.
3: And Chromebooks are, are not... T- telephone landlines, Chromebooks are still in use with our students. So, so what do you do? Do you, do you, do you have to find a way to give, you loan them laptops? TCNJ has been loaning equipment to the students to help them get up. They had uh, last spring they had for students who could, didn't have good internet connections or didn't have internet at home. They were given um, hotspots, uh, loaned hotspots so they could get up and, and you know, the, the, the companies were offering really cheap uh, basic internet connection. So, so I think student, students also help do this. And there are some students that are technologically savvy and have fast answers. Um, other ones um, are less savvy. Faculty is the same way. Staff is the same way, administrators. And the trick is everyone has to be a little bit flexible and and recognize we're going to have glitches and not have a heart attack over it, just try and find a solution. Um, I had a department meeting you know, the second week, second Wednesday of the month is, is department meetings. So I had a section meeting of Spanish yesterday morning and a department meeting in the afternoon. I got on and I this is this is a new headset with microphone and all. It wasn't working. And so I couldn't hear them. And I and I said to them, can you hear me? And they all gave me a thumbs up. OK, well, I can't hear you. And so I'm thinking, now what do I do? I'm supposed to run this meeting. So I just yanked out the connection that put me back on my computer um, to this. I'm still not sure what happened. Mm -hmm. But um, then I worked through it. And then I plugged it back in and tested it before my next meeting.
0: So with um, Spanish and world languages in general, how has remote learning kind of improved new methods of teaching the subject? How has it impacted in the subject itself?
3: I think... I think because we are remote, I think faculty took more advantage of Canvas than they had might have before. Um, there were a great deal of courses on student people taking Canvas. It was one of the courses this summer. So I think that that you know change is hard for everybody. Um, I think because of the way it's set up now, many faculty members are in in our department and across departments are taking much more advantage of Canvas. And Canvas has some real great tools. So I would say that forcing the technology, knowing that you are actually going to use it in in August, probably gave an impetus for people to to step in and push a little bit on the on the technology. I would say that's one area. The other is since we are on we are remote, I think teachers are taking more advantage of online uh, not workbooks but online platforms in like basic Spanish um, videos uh, uh, films um, that that kind of thing that, that it, you bring it in PowerPoints even something as simple as PowerPoints um, the technology has has promoted other technological um, uh, advances even though they're not really advances of 2020. They're just new to us because everyone has a different rate of change and change is always hard.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And
3: that's not just for faculty, that's yeah. staff, that's yeah. administrators and it's students too. That's always, I always get a kick about, Oh yeah, but the students are, you know, native speakers, digital. Well, not really. They're native speakers of Instagram yeah. and Snapchat <laughs> and some, some Facebook, yeah. but, but there, I have to give instructions To how to record on a PowerPoint, and it's only two clicks.
0: And for my last question, I was curious about um, how this semester doesn't have a pass or fail option. Was this um, how? What are your thoughts on this process? Because I know a lot of students were surprised that it wouldn't be like the spring.
3: Um, I can't speak for the university because I didn't make that policy. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what I understand, though. We were we were the, the online remote stuff was really literally foisted upon us with no warning whatsoever mm-hmm. and so since there's always been all the time I've been at the College of New Jersey there's always been a unwritten rule if you like uh, uh, an attitude and expectation on the part of administrators and faculty and staff that at all costs you do no harm to the students if in doubt then the question is are you doing harm so I think I think what happened, my guess is, that we looked at everybody being forced online and people trying to figure out Zoom, both from the teacher and the student. Students who didn't have it, students who had to live on campus during the worst, very bad time initially of COVID when we knew nothing, uh, who couldn't go home, they had to stay on campus. Um, A very small number, but there were. I think with all those challenges from every angle, the college said, "We we have to make sure we do no harm here. So we have to, so I don't know, I I think the students, I I think the students might have expected it because students, they don't want change either. They saw it pass, fail last semester, they want this semester. Mm -hmm. But I think that the circumstances are different. We had, we have a great deal of training and time to be able to deliver our courses now. I think the grades are valid. I think there was a, that was a do no harm caution last spring. And again, you...
0: Hey, this is Nancy. Thanks for listening in today at 91.3 FM WTSR. Remember to check out more content online at WTSR.org, on the air, or on our Spotify and Captivate channels. And as always, we remind you to open your mind.